Okay, everybody, it's really good to see y'all. I want to thank y'all for being a part of our group today. Um, today, we're going to continue in our study of the life of Christ. We're going to continue in our study of uh, Jesus' uh, teachings. Uh, and today, what we're going to do is we're going to continue to focus on something that we finished on, up on last time we were together. We were actually talking about Judgment Day. We were talking about the Day of the Lord. We were talking about the day when God reveals uh, to all mankind, uh, his truth, his mercy, his justice, his righteousness, his wrath. And that's going to all be displayed on that day. So what we'll do is we'll open up with a word of prayer, uh, and then we'll turn to Matthew chapter 7, verses 22 and 23. <clears throat> or actually, we'll start in verse 21. So let's go ahead. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter 7, uh, I'll pray and open us up in a word of prayer. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we do truly thank you for this day and for the uh, beauty and love and, and grace and mercy that you have given to us. I'm so thankful for these men and uh, Lori. Uh, I'm thankful that you are working in their lives and helping them to get themselves back on their feet, uh, to find jobs and to, uh, and, and Lord, we know that you will provide for us all of the things that we so desperately need. Uh, according to your riches. And so we thank you for doing that for these guys. Um, we come to you now uh, seeking to know you better and recognizing that the way that we know you better is through your word. Your word is truth. And I pray that you will sanctify us in your word, sanctify us in your truth. We're going to talk about Judgment Day today, Lord. And there's many things that we do not understand. Uh, there's many things that are left out and that you have not told us. But there are many things that you have told us about the last day. And uh, my prayer is that as we study this today, that you will help us to understand uh, the severity, uh, the gravity, uh, the reality, uh, and the sober mind we should uh, have thinking about the day that we all stand before you and answer for our thoughts, deeds, and prayers. So help us today to learn that, Christ. And it's in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen. All right. So um, <clears throat> when we finished up together last time, we were looked at Matthew chapter 7, verses 21, 22, and 23. And Jesus had just got finished telling people that you would know a person by their fruits. You would know a person by their fruits. In other words, the way that a person thinks, the way that a person talks, the way that a person acts is who that person is. And there comes times when you can hide who you are. But eventually the real you will come out in your words, your thoughts, and your actions. And so uh, Jesus said that you will know them by their fruits. Then he says in verse 21, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but it is he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven that will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name, and in your name cast out demons, and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. All right? And so in that passage, it's saying that there is this coming day when everyone will stand before God and give an account for the life that they have lived. Everyone will stand before God and give an account. And so remember, in that on that day, who is the judge? God. God is the judge. And we need to remember that God is holy, God is righteous, God is omniscient. He knows everything, right? True. And so when you stand before him, 
we will all be without excuse. Our entire lives will be exposed. And, and not only that, he will judge righteously and according to his standards, his truth, his law. You see? Mm-hmm. Now, for those who have trusted him, those who believe on him, those who know the salvation that comes into the shed blood of Jesus Christ, we have been guaranteed, we have been promised that we have an advocate in Christ Jesus. We have an advocate in Christ Jesus. Now, what do we, what have we learned an advocate is? An advocate is like somebody to speak for you. Good. It's a lawyer or someone who speaks for you. So, the confidence that the believer will have on Judgment Day is that they will have Christ speaking for them. There's a confidence in that. Why? Because I know who I'm believed and I am persuaded that He is able to keep me. You see? Mm -hmm. He's able to keep me on that day. And what that means is... Every sin that I've ever committed, yesterday, today, and forever, were covered in the blood of Christ. And I have been forgiven. I've been washed clean of those things. But even as a child of God, you have responsibility as His child. You were to walk in His ways and to walk in His wills. And even as His children, we have a tendency to walk our way instead of His way. I I don't know if... uh, I'm sure that Lori will agree with me on this, but there's sometimes we lay our heads down on our pillows at night, and even knowing that we went out and helped to feed the homeless or helped to work with people that were struggling, right? At times, our actions are self-willed, and we're looking for our own glory, like we're doing it for us, yes, not for God. So, on Judgment Day, there will be two groups of people, the righteous and the unrighteous. All of those who Christ shed his blood for will be the righteous. All of those who he didn't die for that are going to be their own advocate. They're going to have to stand and answer for themselves. They're going to have to be their own self-appointed attorney before the righteous judge of all the creation. You see? Mm -hmm. So there's going to be the reprobate and there's going to be the righteous. Two groups of people there. But what you and I need to understand is even as believers, we will have our lives exposed. Now, why would God do that? If Christ has already paid for my sins on the cross, why would he even bring up the wrong? For his glory. That's exactly right. And so what we need to understand, there's two things that we definitely need to remember when we get into talking about. Can I just say a little bit about that? His glory because of all the stuff that I did in my life, and he forgave me for that, and the love of his son saved my soul, and that is God's glory. Yep. Not only that, but it's also his righteousness because his son paid the penalty you deserved. So he is glorified in forgiveness and mercy. He gets the glory for that. And when he casts all of the eternal reprobates into hell, he's going to be glorified in that too. Why? Because he's right in doing it. He rendered a proper judgment. Guilty, eternal hell. You see? So God, his, at the judgment, we need to remember this. Judgment day is not about mine and your glory. Right. It's about God. Mm-hmm. And he's going to prove that... Uh, remember all the times in your life when you said, Man, uh, this world is just wrong. There's a lot of wrong stuff going on in this world. Well, on judgment day, all of that wrong is going to be addressed. And all of that, all of that wrong is going to be judged. 
And in recovery, when there's a part where we tell God and another human being the exact natures of our wrongs, that's getting it out there because we're telling God and we understand that He already knows. Like when we but say accept the things so that we cannot change. So, no. on Judgment Day, we need one of the main keys before we get into this worksheet that I've handed out to you is one of the things that we need to remember about Judgment Day is this. Number one, Judgment Day is about God being glorified. It's about Him. It's not about us. It's about Him. It's about the righteous judge stepping down and holding court and straightening everything out that men have made crooked over centuries and centuries. He's going to fix it all. You see? And you and I will either be found righteous or unrighteous on that day. If we are in Christ, we will be found righteous. And not only that, all of his, all of those who believe on him, all of those who have turned from sin itself and turned to the work of Christ on the cross, now have an advocate, someone to speak for them. You see? So, on this coming judgment day, if I truly am in Christ, if I'm truly his child, I can actually look forward to it. The reprobate can't. Not only that, but even as children of God, we lay in our beds at night and things come to mind that we should have done or that we didn't do, right? All of our works, all of our thoughts, all of our deeds, all of our actions are going to be exposed on that day. And so will, will you be rewarded for the good things that you do? Of course, right? Will you be cast into hell for the bad things that you have not done? Well, if you're a child of God, those were covered. You see, they're covered in the blood of Christ. But they still happen. And on that day, what will happen is, God will show how even the wrong things that we did, that he took them and used them for good. Think about a Judas, the most evil act that ever happened. An evil act that a man could do. What did he do? He sold Christ out. But in selling Christ out, Jesus was nailed to the cross and died to save a people for himself. So even in Judas's wrong action, God brought good out of it. Do you see how that works? And in even all of the bad things that people have done to you in your life, and the bad things that you have done to other people, it has an effect on them and you and all the world around you, doesn't it? So on that day, everything will be exposed. All truth will come out. All the lies and all the falsehoods will come out. And then we will be prepared to enter into the eternal kingdom that God has prepared for us. But we got to get rid of all the dirt. we got to get rid of all of the, the hostility and the unforgiveness and the pain and the hurts. And on that day, that's what he's going to do. He's going to bring all of that out. So uh, let's look together. <clears throat> um, what I've done is I've given you a copy of something known as... Uh, Chapter 32 of the London Baptist Confession of Faith. I know that a lot of you in this room go to uh, Independent Presbyterian Church downtown with Pastor Terry. Uh, if you want to, you can actually, when you get there, open up your hymn book on a Sunday, not while he's preaching, but before church time. And um, I'm almost certain that y'all have a copy of the London Baptist Confession in the back of your hymnal. You can turn right. You can turn to the very last chapter, and it will say almost word for word. Uh, what this says, chapter 32 on the, uh, I don't know if it's chapter 32 in the Westminster <coughs> Confession, but it will be the last. Okay, it'll be the, it'll be the last, it'll be the last chapter in the Westminster Confession and it'll talk of the judgment, of the last judgment, okay? So let's look at, um, again, uh, the, these confessions of faith are not the inerrant, inspired, uh, infallible Word of God. 
But what they do is they do point us to Scripture and show us where we can go to know more about Judgment Day and the last day. So let's let's read that uh, first paragraph. It says, God has appointed a day when he will judge the world in righteousness by Jesus Christ. Jesus is given all power and judgment by the Father on this day. Not only will the apostate angels be judged, but all people who have ever lived on the earth will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, their words, and their deeds. They will receive according to what they have done in the body, whether good or evil. Okay? So that's the main premise. The premise is that there is going to come a day of judgment. And who's going to be judged? All of creation. Even the apostle angels. Yeah, the apostate angels, the ones that rebelled against God at the very beginning, Satan and all of of the demons are going to stand on that day at judgment and answer to God for what they have done. You see? And what's he going to do? He's going to cast them into eternal fire. He's going to cast them into eternal hell. They'll be judged and found guilty. So not only the apostate angels will be judged, but all people who have ever lived on the earth will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of what they've done. Alright? By their words, their deeds, and their actions, we will receive according to what is done in the body, whether good or evil. Now, if you look on the back of the uh, back of it, I broke each one of those paragraphs down into some verses that we're going to look at together. So in section one, talking about the day of judgment, the first thing we need to remember is that Jesus will judge the world. Jesus will judge the world, okay? So if you want to turn to these passages as I turn to them and read them, you can. I'm not going to slow down. we got too many verses to cover for me to slow okay. down and help everybody find it. But the first verse is Acts oh, yeah. 17, 31. If you just want to sit back and listen to them, you yeah. have them noted here. You can go home and when you've got some time, look them up first and read them for yourself. Okay? So Acts 17, 31 says this. Because He has fixed a day... In which he will judge the world in righteousness through a man whom he has appointed, having furnished proof to all men by the raising of him from the dead. Alright? So there's a lot of he's in there, isn't there? He has fixed a day which he will judge the world. Who is that? The Father God. Through a man whom he has appointed. Who is the one that he is? A man that he has appointed? Jesus. Now remember, Jesus is 100% God and 100% man. And so he can stand before us as a man and judge us. Why? Because he, he's been here. He did that. He came here, you see. And it says, for, and furnishing proof to all men by the raising of him from the dead. How do we know that, that he has the authority and the right to come and judge us? Because he rose from the dead. You see, all of us, uh, in our own righteousness, we have none. And in our unrighteousness, we deserve death. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. So if we truly got what we deserve, once we died, we would just go straight to hell. You see, if we truly, if all men truly got what they deserve. But what the Bible teaches us is because of what Christ did on the cross, what did He do on the cross? He died for our sins. Why did He die? For our sins, not His. And when they buried Him in the grave, what did He do? As He died on that cross for our sins, He paid for all of our sins. So He took our death so that we could have his life. And the reason that he came out of that grave again was because death had no claim on him. There was nothing found in him that was judged worthy of death. So once he died for our sins, when he rose, 
he was righteous and he was found righteous by his father, he rose in righteousness. There was nothing to keep him in the grave anymore. And on that last day, we will be raised in his likeness, won't we? I never thought about right? it like that. We will be raised in his likeness and there will be no claim of death on us either. Okay. Now, Jesus was judged and he was found righteous by his father. Yep, good. Now, so it says that he will be the judge. Now, this next part is really neat to me. I hope that you will enjoy this. In his first advent, he came to do the work of salvation. Does anybody remember? We at some churches they they work uh, they they have a holy day called Advent. What what does it mean? What does the word Advent mean? Waiting. Uh, Well. It's a coming or an appearance of. So his first advent was when he clothed himself in humanity and walked among us. The birth, remember? The birth of the virgin, the virgin birth. Mm-hmm. His advent, he appeared on the scene. Now, he's, was Jesus in the Old Testament? Yeah, you better believe it. Because he's eternal. He's always been. But at the advent, at his first advent... He clothed himself in humanity and came here and walked among us so that we could know him and uh, uh, he could know us in a personal uh, face-to-face relationship. You see? So in the first advent, he came to do the work of salvation. So let's look at that together. Luke chapter 4, verse 17 to 21. Luke chapter 4, verses 17 to 21. And this is what it says. Luke chapter 4. Verse 17 to 21. So, this is Jesus. He's in, a, in, in one of the synagogues. He's teaching all of the Jewish people. And this is what he says. And he opened the book of the prophet Isaiah. He opened the scroll. He rolled the scroll open of the prophet Isaiah that was handed to him. So, he got him in front of the crowd to teach. They handed him the scroll of the prophet Isaiah. He rolled open that scroll. And he opened the book and found a place where it was written. Now, so, what is he quoting here? The book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is the Old Testament, right? Well, watch what it says. In the Old Testament, there was a prophecy, a promise to one. And this is what it said. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind to set free those who are oppressed and to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. Now he closed the book, he gave it back to the tenant, sat down, and every eye in the synagogue was fixed on him. And then he said, today this scripture has been fulfilled in your ears. You see? So he opens up the book of Isaiah and reads a prophecy about this one who was going to come who was anointed to preach the gospel, to proclaim release to the captives, to give sight to blind people, to set people free from their oppression, and to proclaim the year of the Lord. And what did he say? Today, that's the day. And I'm the one that's fulfilling it. You see? Mm -hmm. Now, but what I want you to see next is this. At his first advent, he came to do a work of salvation. But his second advent, when is his second advent going to be? He's already came once. When's he going to come again? On the resurrection. On Judgment Day. When he comes back down to the earth, it's time. You see? So at his second advent, he is going to come as judge. Now, what I want you to do is turn with me to Isaiah 61. What we're going to do is we're going to go back. We're going to go back to the quote that Jesus quoted in Isaiah 61. So let's go back to Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. 
right? And this is what it says in Isaiah 61, verse 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the afflicted. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners, to proclaim the favorable year of our Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn. All right? Now, does that sound like what he said when he rolled up and opened that scroll? And preached in that synagogue that day? Yes. It's almost exactly word for word. But look what he left out. When he requoted Isaiah, look at verse 2. To proclaim the favorable year of the Lord and to comfort those who mourn is what Jesus said. But look what Isaiah 61 says. And a day of vengeance of our God. See, on his first advent, he left that line out. Because when he first came, he was not coming to judge. He was coming to save. But this prophecy has a future fulfillment too, doesn't it? What is the day of judgment going to yeah, be? Because he said that this prophecy has been fulfilled. The part that he spoke yep. about. That's right. Not the vengeance. The, not the vengeance. When will the part of vengeance be fulfilled? The day of vengeance? Uh-huh. On judgment coming. day. God will pay back. You see? Is his second coming and judgment day the same? Yes. All right? Now, there are some uh, groups and some denominations and some uh, people who believe that there is two judgment days. Um, they, uh, and I don't really want to get into that. I grew up in, in that mindset. But um, I would encourage anyone who believes that way to go through the Scriptures and find anywhere where it says the days of the Lord. Yeah, it's judgment day. It's judgment period. day one. Well, 144,000 go first in the white robe. Well, that would be kind of, <laughs> yeah, it, it, but. it is. It, all of it's very confusing. And what I'm trying to do is make sure that this is very simple. Look back at our main statement, statement one. Look what it says. In, in paragraph two there of statement one, it says, All people who have ever lived on the earth will appear before the judgment seat of Christ to give an account of their thoughts, words, and deeds. So everyone... No matter what your race, religion, color, creed, all will stand before God and answer to Him for the life that they have lived. It's the day of God's vengeance. So what's going to happen on that day? His wrath is going to be poured out on all of creation that is under the curse. And they will be judged appropriately. And those who are covered in the blood of Christ will stand in that judgment. Why? Because Christ has already taken the judgment that they deserve. Does that make sense to everybody? Okay, so we, um, in that first statement, we learned that Jesus is going to be the judge. We learned that at his first advent, he came to save. And in his second advent, he's coming back as judge. There won't be no second chances once the sky unfolds and he, he comes down. No more chances after that. You see? That's the last day. Now, he has been given authority by his Father. Now, we, we won't look at that one. Let's look at... Um, uh, that's in John chapter 5, verses 22 to 27. I would encourage you to go and look that up on your own. Jesus does tell us that his Father has given him the authority uh, to judge, that he has given him the authority to judge. So in, uh, in section 1.2 there, it says angels will be judged. And what I'd have you do is we're going to just look at one of those because we really are going to be short on time today. That means the fallen angels, right, or all the angels? Uh, uh, the fallen angels. Well, the the... the the angels who have not fallen have not sinned. They're sinless. They're holy. Yeah, so there's no judgment for them. So uh, in Jude 6, 
Well, it's going to be judgment for the devil because he was an angel. You better believe it. He's still an angel. He's just a fallen angel. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. And, uh, and so in Jude, in the book of Jude, verse 6, it says this, And the angels who did not keep their own domain, but abandoned their proper abode, he has kept in eternal bonds under darkness for the judgment of the great day. All right. So they are bound in his wrath, and on the last day they will answer for all of the things that they have done, all of the fallen angels, right? And so, you know, uh, all of their deeds will be exposed. Everything that all those demons did to us while they were here on the earth, they will answer for all of it. It's going to come out. Yeah, it's all coming out. Every bit of it's coming out. You see? And, um, all right, so in 1.3 it says all of humanity will be judged on that day. Now, that's very important. How many people are going to be judged on that day? All of humanity. Now, again, you might say, well, Jesus has already paid for my sins, so I shouldn't be judged. Well, God is going to judge you as what? As his child. He's going to say, you're my child. I judge you in that way. And not only that, but even as his child, I'm going to answer for the life that I've lived. My actions, my words, and my thoughts will be exposed and it will be shown whether they were truly sincere and righteous and seeking to glorify God or if they were selfish and seeking to glorify me. Well, I don't, I don't want to take much time, but it seems like the people nowadays really are a lot more evil than they were 200 years ago, 500 years ago. Just I, well, I, I don't think I, I think that we have been evil f for a long time. Um, what you're seeing as time goes on is is that God is removing His hands of restraint off of evil. He's turning humanity over to their own desires. Right, and they're not even trying to hide. Things. Yeah, yeah, and that's what, and so that's what happens. They want to glorify their yep. sins. Yeah, they don't even try to get any fig leaves anymore. Exactly. Do they? they just run around the streets naked. Exactly. Yeah, yeah no fig leaves. They don't hide in the bushes. They don't. <laughs> right? Why? Exactly. What does the Bible say? Because there is no fear of God in their eyes. You think about the downtown scene. You go to a club at three o'clock in the morning and on, on downtown. Those people are not afraid of God. They're not fearing God. All they're thinking about is themselves. Right. If they truly in their heart and their mind had a grasp of the fact that God is omnipresent, that He is everywhere, and that He's looking at them and judging the thoughts and intentions of their heart, He's writing them all down, He's recording everything in His book. If they were to realize that, maybe they would stop doing what they've done. Hmm. You see? But they don't. They don't realize it and they don't care. And not just to point our finger at the crowd out there at 3 o'clock in the morning. We are, my, we're, my we're guilty of those same things. All right. So um, let's let's look at, it says, all of humanity. So let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10. And this is what it says. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he has done, whether good or evil. So this is Paul, and Paul is saying that, now go back over to chapter 5, verse 1. It says, we know that we are in an earthly tent, which is not our, when this house is torn down, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, an eternal heaven. You see, we get a new body, we get a new life. But he's talking about everybody. And when he says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that everyone will be recompensed for his deeds in the body according to what he's done, whether good or bad. All right? So what will be judged in the believer uh, um, when he stands before God, whether his deeds were what? Good or bad. 
right? And there, and what's going to happen is um, a lot of the things that I thought I was doing for his glory and his good, I was actually doing for my glory and my good, and that will be exposed. Um, Paul goes on to say things like that, that the trying fires of God will expose whether our works are wood, hay, or stubble, or gold. Like when God's judgment is poured out over our lives, the things that are truly of him and righteous will stand in that judgment. The things that are not will be burned away. Okay, so we all will give account. Look at Ecclesiastes twelve four. This is the book. Uh, this is the, one of the wisdom books. Ecclesiastes twelve four says this, and it's the last line in that that book, in the whole book of Ecclesiastes, and it says this: For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. Let me read that again. God will bring every act to judgment. Everything which is hidden, whether it is good or evil. No stone will be left unturned on judgment day, right? Everything is going to be exposed for what it is. Now, if all we were left to was our works and our deeds and what we've done, we would be just as bad as Adam and Eve, wouldn't we? We would be naked and ashamed before him and trying to run from that judgment seat, right? But what we need to remember is is that God has promised those who are His believers that yes, although my sins have been exposed and although I am found naked and wanting, God clothes me in His righteousness and gives me a new life. You see what I mean? So there's a hope even beyond that judgment. So, alright, all of us will be a judge. We will all give an account for our thoughts, words, and deeds. Look at Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 36. This is what it says. Matthew 12 and verse 36. But I tell you that every careless word that people speak, they will give an account for it on the day of judgment. I wrote down a little note in my Bible right here, and I don't know how many years ago I wrote this down here, but you know what I wrote? Teach me to hold my tongue. Why? Because everything that I say, everything that I'm sharing with you in this class today will stand before the judgment of God. And God forbid I were to lead somebody astray with my words. How many times have I gossiped about people or lied about people or talked about? You see what I mean? And like all of that's going to be judged on that day. Everything is going to be exposed. And it should sober us up, shouldn't it? It should force us to realize that, it's yes. still scary to me. Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. There's nothing wrong with a fear of God. Nothing. Okay? Now, he says this um, in Romans 14. Romans 14. I told you we had a lot of verses to look at today. Mm-hmm. Romans 14, um, verses 10 and 12. It says this. But why do you judge your brother or you again? Why do you stand? Uh, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. So then each one will give an account of himself to God. Each person will give an account. Notice that. So one of the main points that we're seeing in this, this statement we're making is all will stand before God on judgment. All. We all will. It's a universal judgment of all mankind. Uh, we see that Jesus is the judge, that Jesus came into the world to save, and the next time he comes, he is coming to judge. And he's going to have almost, he gonna be, his power is going to be, 
His his his, his power is going to be stronger than what it was nope, before. No, nope, no, 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 no. God's power doesn't change. He ain't like a cell phone battery. He don't move up and down. I thought he you said all, Jesus. Jesus, That's Jesus is God. He's all powerful. Okay. Yeah, he's all powerful. When he came to the earth the first time, remember, mm-hmm. uh, Xavier. He he muted that power, not not muted. He muffled that power by clothing it in humanity. Mm-hmm. We couldn't see his glory as he really was because we we wouldn't have eyes to be able to handle that. Remember at the Mount of Transfiguration with Peter, James, and John, and Jesus went up and he was talking with Moses and Elijah. Remember, and mm-hmm. it was really bright. Like yeah. they, he allowed he allowed uh, Peter, James, and John just to catch a glimpse of his glorious state. We wouldn't have the ability to stand before an all-powerful God. So that's one of the reasons why he clothed himself in humanity. Mm -hmm. So that we could still see him and appreciate him. Okay. All right. So uh, rewards and punishment will be passed out. and out and all will receive according to what they have done. Now this is our longest passage. This is our longest passage. And uh, let's go look at there together. Matthew chapter 25 verses 32 to 46. Matthew chapter 25 verses 32 to 46. And this is what it says. But when the Son of Man, it's actually verse 31. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him, then he will sit on his glorious throne. All right? But when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered together before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on the right and the goats on the left. So there's a judgment in that, isn't it? He's going to judge whether you are a what? A sheep or a goat. Right? Who are his sheep? All of the ones that Christ laid his life down to save. Alright, so there's one judgment. Separate the sheep and goats. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you before the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer to him, Lord, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or you in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you have did this to one of my brothers of mine, even to the least of them you did this to me. So what is it saying? It's saying that all of the, uh, my works here on earth are going to be judged, whether they were righteous or not. And he says, if you've done the least little bit of a thing for the least of mine, who is his? The body of Christ, the saints, the believers, all over the world. When you've done that, you've, it's just like you've done it to him. And now I want you to notice something about that. The people being judged, the people being judged are unaware of the deed that they did. It's not like they remember doing it. You see what I'm saying? So what's happening? God is exposing the thoughts and the intents of our hearts, our words, our actions, our deeds. All of those things are being judged whether they're good or bad. Because watch what it says next. Then he will also say to the ones on the left, 
Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, you gave me nothing to drink. I was hungry, a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves will also answer and say, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent which you did it to the least of these, you did to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. All right? So, the judgment was based on sheep and goats, was it not? Who are his sheep? The ones that Christ died to save. Are they righteous? Yes. Not because of what they have done. But because well, of what Christ has that but what Christ has done for us. But what does He bring up with the righteous? What does He bring up with the righteous? The fact that they treated people as, as, as love others as they love themselves. They love their neighbor and they love God. Now their righteous their righteousness does not get them into heaven. It's the righteousness of Christ that gets us into heaven. All right, are you with me? Yeah. But now we'll finish up with this because you said we needed to be finished at twenty after. So turn with me. So remember that passage we just read there, and let's turn back to our original passage in Matthew chapter seven. All right, Matthew chapter seven. <clears throat> it says uh, in verse twenty-one, "Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter." Alright, so what is Jesus saying? Not everybody that's running around and saying with their mouth, Matthew 7, 21. Matthew 7, 21. <clears throat> what he's saying is not everybody that's running around calling Jesus Lord, Lord, right? There's a lot of people on this earth running around saying, Oh Lord, help me. Yes. Right? <laughs> Lord. So what is he saying? Not all of those that call me Lord will enter into the kingdom. It is he who does the will of my Father that will enter into the kingdom. Well, that means you have to have words. Now, that, I, I, Michael, I'm glad that you were here, my Catholic friend. I'm glad that you were here. <clears throat> because watch, um, that is exactly the argument that Rome will use for justification by faith and works. All right? So what I want to do is I want to clear that up today. All right. So what is the will of the Father? Well, the will of the Father is that uh, none of those that... Uh, Jesus said the will of my Father is that none of those that he has given to me will be lost. So what is the will of his Father? For all of those who Christ died to save, to be saved. If somebody uh, would die that Christ, if somebody dies and goes to hell that Jesus died on the cross to save, then what it shows is that Jesus' salvation was not good enough to save them. That makes sense? And it would not glorify the Father. And it wouldn't glorify the Father because he'd have broke his promise. (laughs) He'd have broke his promise because Christ died for them and yet they still went to hell. You see? So it don't work. But he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. So he says, but it's he who does the will of my Father who will enter heaven. Well, what is the will of his Father? The will of his Father for his all of mankind to do what? To repent and believe on Christ. Right? That's his proclamation. His universal declaration is, repent, turn from your sins, and believe in my son Jesus. Right? But do it, does everybody repent and turn to Christ? No. no. Right. So, what he says is, it is not the one who says to me, but the one who does. Can you explain repent? 
Repent means repent means to turn away from uh, you, to turn away from what you have done, to turn away from what you are doing, to turn away from, from things that you plan to do, and to turn to the work of Jesus Christ alone. To repent means to recognize that my life of drugs and alcohol, my life of sensuality and, and debauchery, my life of wickedness and evil and jealousy and hate, all of those things, to recognize that those things are destroying me and to turn away from them. And ask them for forgiveness. And, and turn and to what Christ... And in, right. It's not just asking for forgiveness. It's recognizing that forgiveness has been purchased for you where? Where did God purchase your forgiveness at? On the cross. On the cross. cross. All right? So the one who is truly his, the one that he truly died, will become aware of what they have done wrong and will turn away from sin and self and turn to what Christ has done on the cross for them. If they do not, then who will pay for their sins? They will. They will. But if they turn to him, who will pay for their sins? By turning to them, they prove that Christ has paid for their sins because he doesn't lose his sheep. And his sheep know him. His sheep hear his voice. And when he calls to his sheep, what do they do? They come. So to repent means to to turn around and come to Christ. It means to turn away from sin and self and to turn to Christ. Now, the Bible also teaches us that repentance itself is actually a gift from God. Repentance itself is actually a gift from God. If God did not grant you, if God did not grant you repentance, you wouldn't turn around. Couldn't. All right. So we got. Three minutes left. Let me let me help answer this question for Michael. All right. So it says that many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, didn't we do this and didn't we do that and didn't we do that? Right. But he is going to say, depart from me. I never knew you. So there's a lot of people that are going to stand there and say, oh, but I cast out demons in your name and I preached in your name and I baptized people in your name and I gave to the poor and I tithed and I did and I, 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 I. Do you hear a theme behind that? Mm-hmm. What are they focusing on? They're focusing on what they have done and what Jesus is going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Now that word knew is a very intimate word, right? It's, a, it's, a, it's an intimate knowledge. God, does God know everything that he's created? Of course, he knows everything that he's created. There's not one radical molecule in all of the universe that's not in God's hand. When God's we hand. do something, right. say even if we put a molecule, we know every piece and part of yeah. what we put the glue on. If you think about it on a huge scale. But God, God knows, knows God knows his molecule. children. God knows his children. All right, so what Jesus is trying to teach us here, remember the main theme of this paragraph. You will know them by their fruits. You will know them by their fruits. So what is he saying? If he knows you, then the world will know you by your fruits. So, my works, the good things that I do, my works do not get me into heaven. If my works can get me into heaven, then there was no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. My works do not get me into heaven but they are a fruition that I'm going there. What do I mean when I say a fruition? They're a sign or an expression. So the true child of God will do good works. Why? Because they're good? No, because God's goodness is working in them. So you see how that works? Now, so on that final day, we'll finish this, on that final day, God will judge between the sheep and the goats. Who are the goats? The unrighteous. Who are the sheep? All of those that Christ died to save. Right? And that will be the judgment. Now, again, 
all of our works and everything that we've done in our life will be exposed on that day. So, um, of course, we didn't finish. Next week when we're back together, we'll take up section two and three. Um, please keep a copy okay. of this piece of paper. And when we come back together next week, we'll talk about it. Let's close with a quick prayer. Thank you all guys for being here today. Thank you. Most, most gracious Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together. We thank you to, uh, that we get a chance to talk about you and your love and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. And Lord, um, we, we stand in fear and in trembling, knowing that every one day all of us will give an account for the lives we live. Help us to use that as a reminder to live soberly and to live righteously and to walk in fear of you so that we, we might have the wisdom and the discernment to do what you have called us to do, which is to trust you with all of our hearts and stop leaning on our own understanding. Again, thank you for all that you do for us, especially for your son Jesus and the fact that he gives us a hope of eternity through what he did for broken folks like us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.